0: Hello! Welcome to Conversations at the Washington Library, a podcast about early American history and the people who teach it. In this episode, Dr. Joe Stoltz sits down with Joe Bondi, the Senior Vice President of Development here at Mount Vernon. The two discuss the challenges and processes behind funding for the various projects that keep Mount Vernon running. If you feel inclined, Mount Vernon is a fully privately funded 501c3 nonprofit organization that has never accepted government funding. There will be a link to on the webpage for this podcast at Mount Vernon dot org slash podcast to find more information about supporting the various initiatives. Also be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow the Washington library on all social media platforms. And now Dr. Stoltz's interview with Joe Bondi.
1: Hey Joe. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Joe. It's my pleasure. Happy to be here. This is exciting Two two Joe's Joe on Joe action. Uh, (laughs) Um, Not exactly. Yeah. Uh, So moving on from that. Um, well, so, you know, we, we have spent the past year with sort of the new format of the show really showing the scale of of all the different fingers and pies that Mount Vernon has, mm-hmm. uh, all the different pies that Mount Vernon has fingers in. That would be the better way to phrase that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not all just paid for by, uh, you know, ticket sales. So uh, we wanted to have you on uh, to the extent we can to talk about uh, sort of how Mount Vernon as a not-for-profit Um, raises money, especially because since we don't take uh, government money, you know, government grants and and donations. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but just to sort of start off, because I don't know that a lot of uh, folks even, I think we're all sort of aware that museums have membership departments or development departments, but uh, just sort of stuff, what is your background Mm -hmm. and, and your process to Mount Vernon?
2: Sure. Thanks, Joe. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here with you um, and to be on on the podcast. My personal background, I came from George Washington University. We like that. Uh, We like that. We have a lot of George Washington on the resume. Um, I worked there for 15 years, also have two degrees from the university, um, but worked there for 15 years all in in development and alumni relations in probably six different jobs. I ran our New York market uh, for a period of time. Uh, ran the fundraising for the School of Politics there. And then uh, my last job was in in a management position at the university. And uh, that's a big fundraising operation. So I really cut my teeth, I suppose you could say, in development um, in a university setting, which is different than a museum yeah. or historic house setting. But there are some certain – much of what we do – carries through all across the nonprofit sector. Uh, so I came to Mount Vernon in January of 2017. So I'm nearing it on my two-year anniversary here. It's been uh, an extraordinary opportunity to be here. I'll just say um, in my profession, the job that I have is one of the top... Best jobs to have in the DC area. Uh, I'm 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 very honored to be here, and every day my team and I feel this way that um, it's 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 our honor to be here, not a not a job, but a, but a pleasure to be at Mount Vernon and to raise money for this important place.
1: Yeah, well, maybe maybe even let's um, now that I'm thinking about it, even take a step back even more. You know what? what is development, right? Because this is something that so many different institutions around the country that we think of in the U.S. have to do. And I don't even think that a lot of us sort of give it two thoughts because most development officers do such a good,
2: t- t- such a good job at it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that compliment. Uh, I, I think um, very basically uh, in the nonprofit sector, um, most good nonprofits have a revenue source. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of a university, that's tuition. In the case of a museum or historic home like Mount Vernon, that's, uh, generally speaking, the admission that one pays when they come through the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in virtually every case, the revenue does not pay for the entire operation. Um, and so you fill... In in every nonprofit's case, mm-hmm. you fill that gap through fundraising, and that's what we call development. So that that is a, that's that's the thirty thousand foot view. Yeah, yeah. And there's lots of ways we raise money. Uh, there's lots of uh, tools we use to raise money. There's lots of different entities we raise money from, and we can talk about mm-hmm. all those things as it relates to Mount Vernon. But the the key point is that we fill the gap where that revenue source leaves off so in the case of a university tuition does not pay in no in no yeah. university's case tuition does tuition pay the full Public or bill? private university? Public or private? In fact, it's even more desperate now in public yeah. situation because the the uh, you know state budgets have been cut for for mm-hmm. uh, for higher education. Um, fundraising picks up that gap. In the case of Mount Vernon, uh, we about two thirds of our budget comes from dollars uh, from visitors, mm-hmm. so gate admission. Um, what they buy in the gift shop and what they eat at the inn. I mean, I'm I'm speaking pretty generally yeah, here, yeah, but yeah. that that makes up about two thirds of of our uh, revenue. Um, the work that our team does and the payout from endowment make up that remaining third. Of of the pie, mm-hmm. um, and so that's what development is. It's it's <laughs> it's asking money for for, for uh, from people around the country, in some cases around the world, or from corporations or from foundations to um, support the mission of an institution uh, to meet the gap where the revenue stream uh, uh, doesn't to meet that gap.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one one thing we could sort of uh, you know that we've we've talked about fairly regularly on the podcast recently-ish has been uh, the library's acquisitions of things like the letters of the Marquis de Châtelet and and some of the work that the library has been doing uh, to look into that history. Uh, But, you know, those papers were in private hands. So what has to be done for us to uh, go win those letters at auction and, and try and keep them from going back into private hands?
2: Right, so I mean, there's a lot of things the institution has to do. Yeah. Right, we've got to get to the auction. We have to be willing to make the bid. Uh, but then um, Mount Vernon has been blessed with some endowed funds to pay for acquisitions. But but the the budget, mm-hmm. our acquisition desires <laughs> outweigh yeah. our budget. From, to, from turns that out payout. things signed by George Washington cost. They're they're not a lot cheap. Money. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What happens in a case like that is the institution decides, here's an acquisition we want to make, here's how much money we have from endowment or from other sources uh, that we could apply toward that, and then they come to me in my office and say, okay, well, we know this letter is going to go, the, so the Chateau letters in total were about, I think, five letters, the total mm-hmm. was about $1.2 million. Yeah. Um our annual payout from endowment for acquisitions is like 150,000. So, and that covers all the stuff we always want to yeah, buy. Yeah. Let alone these very special things. So we know now that we have to find about a $1, $1. million dollars, 1.2 million dollars, to um, be able to allow the the institution to go up there and bid on those letters, which we knew we wanted to have back here at Mount Vernon is an important part of the story about George Washington. Uh, So it's our work to figure out who might find this story, this particular story, interesting and does that person have the capacity to make a gift uh, to support this particular acquisition? Now, in that case, we raised that million. We still have about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to go. So, if there are any podcast listeners, uh, I'll give you my email address at the end uh, at the end of the show. Um, but uh, we raised that money from probably a dozen different donors who are either. Francophiles, or mm-hmm. they believe that Mount Vernon should be acquiring important documents, or they're particularly charmed by the Chateau story, um, and they and they have the capacity to to make a gift to Mount Vernon to help us with those acquisitions. And I think Joe, that's that's one story. And over the course of our years' work, yeah. there might be fifty stories like that yeah. from all across the the estate.
1: Yeah. Well, and and just to. Uh, yeah, well, it is the library's podcast, so we're gonna. F- no, I'm just <laughs> uh, we'll focus on that. Uh, right. and, and and for folks that are like, oh my God, like you know, over a million dollars just for these letters, what's the point? You know, the the if I can just you know step in here from the, yeah, the scholarly perspective, you know, the, the the danger for folks that might not be familiar with this is that these letters like this, uh, oftentimes, uh, one could be completely unknown letters. So this could be stuff that. Uh, has has never been transcribed and that the folks at say the the George Washington papers who's edit, one of the editors we have on staff um, have never had the opportunity to examine or these might be different versions. Uh, so uh, just to so stick with the Shastelloo letters yeah. specifically you know the the version that is in the transcriptions in the George Washington papers uh, were the the the, the the final draft copies, mm-hmm. not the letters that actually got sent. And so when Washington, uh, sent the letters and, and finally put it in his hand for the final copy that, that went out to France, uh, he had made changes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so, you know, we, we we don't actually know what those were going to be until we can actually get them. Uh, surprisingly, it may not surprise anyone. Uh, you know, certain auction houses do not let scholars go peruse through the letters
2: <laughs> right right beforehand.
1: They get they let you see a very fuzzy mm-hmm. copy online, and then they will let you view it in person. But uh, you know, if, if we want to keep these things uh, publicly accessible, um, it is it is incumbent upon institutions like Mount Vernon or. Uh, Maybe the Library of Congress, though, they have a little less flexibility with what they can go mm-hmm. after. Um, you know, folks that are listening that are confused why we spend so much money on this, this is why, because we risk this history going back into private hands, and we can't be sure that it's going to be in a climate-controlled condition. We can't be sure that it's ever going to be of any use by scholars, and, and frankly, we can't be sure that it's ever going to get tracked again, right. because these things do get sold not at public auctions through places like Christie's and Sotheby's. They can just be sold
2: behind the scenes. Well, it's part of our mission, Joe, to further the knowledge of of George Washington and, as such, uh, making these important documents available for all the world Mm -hmm. to have access to, researchers and common people alike. Um, And so uh, it may seem like a lot of money, but... Um, in the grand scope of of washington 's work yeah. um uh, it, it's it's we believe at mount vernon it 's very good money to spend and we and we you know we when we put it online and, and, and make it available, obviously,
1: our cost per use of the letter can go down it's a ba- valid substantially. Point. Yeah. Um, what else? What other sort of stuff? Uh, I mean, you know, to give the other portions of the estate a bit of a bit of showcase here. Right, right. Uh, you know, what else uh, have you guys been working on lately?
2: Well, it's probably useful, Joe, to give... For me to give you a kind of um, look at the dollars we raise mm-hmm. and what they what they're used for, mm-hmm. so um, we uh, our office is focused on two different kinds of dollars. Um, the the first is what I'll call unrestricted dollars, and th- that is money that comes to the estate for essentially for the mission of Mount Vernon. And dollars that uh, come to us um, through our letter writing campaigns, through our membership programs, and uh, through other events and things that we throw um, here at the estate, uh, they support everything that happens at Mount Vernon. So they are uh, those dollars are keeping the lights on in this room. They are buying paint and nails. And, and for the historic area, they, they keep the lawn mm-hmm. cut. Everything we do here; those are vital dollars to keeping that happening. And so, uh, we raise anywhere between uh, seven and eight million dollars a year for our unrestricted uh, purposes. And we're on we're on track this year to 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 get to about seven million dollars, uh, or or probably we'll probably beat our goal I think this year uh, by a bit. Those are incredibly important dollars, and they come in in all sizes from mm-hmm. uh from gifts of a hundred thousand dollars or more, all the way down to um last this year, we got someone's fifty state quarter collection. Hmm. Um, So you do the math on the size of that gift. Uh, I'm a liberal um, arts I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. Um, But gifts of all sizes come in to support the the mission of Mount Vernon. Then uh, the other dollars that we raise equally as important are um, they're restricted in nature for particular projects Mm -hmm. that are happening here. And those are everything from the acquisition of a Chateaulieu letter, as we just talked about, to very important projects that happen in the historic area. So in 2018, we finished the restoration of the blue bedchamber, which got a lot of uh, a lot of press. And it, mm-hmm. it's a pretty extraordinary view of a room probably that looks a lot more today um, like it did in 1799 than it did a year ago, as yeah. an, uh, as an example, or 18 months ago. Um the the dollars that went into uh, the new bed hangings, the um, the beautiful, the extraordinary wallpaper, uh, the 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 work that happened in, on the fireplace, the restoration of the windows, paint, everything that went into that room was generated by a donor or series group of donors mm-hmm. um, that supported that project. And so, uh, when you look, especially in the historic area, um. It, 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 the work we do there is donor funded and if without those donor dollars we wouldn't be able to do those projects and so uh, and, that, our, and that's just basic maintenance of the historic home, right? Well, I think sure. in, in a in a in a lot of cases, the the basic maintenance um, is covered more uh, on those yeah. unrestricted dollars. But it's the it's the big restoration yeah. projects yeah, yeah, yeah. that are that are for the most part donor funded. Um, so uh, things like so that's the sort of annual work of yeah, the yeah. of the restricted fundraising that we do. Then there are big special projects that come about. Um, from time to time, mm-hmm. uh, we happen to be sitting in one of those yeah. big special projects. so uh, the Fred W. Smith Presidential Library um, was a multi year many many million dollar fundraising mm-hmm. effort, about one hundred and seven million dollars to build this building. Um, those are the kinds of things that that we only take on every once in a yeah. while. To a smaller scale, but one that's that 's being built right now, which um, our yeah. local uh, residents will see coming out of the ground is a new livestock facility so a new barn for our uh, for our working animal interpreters um, that that uh, that bring the historic area to life mm-hmm. um, so that barn. Was entirely a, a fundraising effort. If we hadn't raised those dollars, we wouldn't be building that barn. And there would um, be cold sheep. There would be cold sheep, although they wear sweaters. Yeah, uh, that's true. Wool sweaters. Yeah, um, very nice. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's very no wool sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so um, that project was about four million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, which had a, has a lot of complicated factors to it, but it's not just the building, but the infrastructure yeah. and an endowment to support the building, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so that's another example of the kind of fundraising we do, one-off big projects like that.
1: Now, is there ever... Uh, so, so I'm not going to name the university, but I know of a university uh, where they weren't quite careful with how they arranged... Um, they weren't quite careful with the arrangement they had with the donor. Uh, and so they, they got uh, an endowment for campus beautification for mm. flowers mm-hmm. uh, and then had, hadn't quite figured out uh, or calculated correctly the spend out. It, and so they, they uh, ended up with an issue where every three months they were having to rip up the flower beds just to keep spending the money. Is that, is that I don't want to say a common problem, but is that something you all have to uh, keep an eye out for?
2: Yeah. Look, Joe, having too much money is rarely a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mount Vernon does have an endowment that's about $150 million, which is small for an organization of our size and scope. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it is um, a mission of, of the institutions mm-hmm. to increase the size of that endowment over the next five years. Um Especially at universities where the endowments are, in many cases, a lot older mm-hmm. and in a lot of cases, a lot bigger. So, at GWR endowments, 1.2 uh, billion, excuse me. Um, it's made up of lots and lots yeah. of little endowments that uh, pay for faculty positions and campus beautification and that sort of thing. There's a whole office that tracks. How much money is in each of those funds? Each, you know, as mm-hmm. part of that roll-up endowment, and make sure that those dollars are spent appropriately. We always, when we create a new endowment with a the donor, there's language written into that agreement that um, that if there's a if there comes a time when the institution can no longer spend those dollars the way the donor intended them in the in the uh, MOU the mm-hmm. uh, the agree, the endowment agreement um, that. That something will happen. Either yeah, yeah. the board will determine uh, to spend them in a direction that is um, most aligned with the donor's wishes or that the institution will get in touch with the donor's heirs and make a decision in, in that way. Um, so it's it's incumbent upon the institution to spend endowment dollars appropriately. Now, in this case that, that you're describing, um, if I were the head of that endowment office, I would have gone back to the donor or to the donor's heirs and said, your endowment is spending out way more money than we can spend. Perhaps it could be used for building upkeep or, you know, is there something else that we can spend that payout on? So we don't have that problem at Mount Vernon, but we do watch these things very closely (laughs) And and uh and always spend those dollars according to you know, of course to the to the donors' wishes. Especially in the case of an endowment, which is a permanent yeah. right. So we think about endowment very carefully because it is you are setting up a fund whose interest pays out forever yeah. for that purpose. So we, we don't just we don't do that quickly or, or without a lot of thought. And the board, um, the ladies association takes those things very seriously.
1: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things I've uh I I think another thing that a lot of folks um, maybe don't give too much thought to, but I mean, there, you know, as as of course you know, there are whole courses on this in museum studies programs about the ethics involved in museum stewardship. Not just for, you know, that that when you're doing preservation on an item, it's your responsibility to think of the next hundred years worth of that item, but also you're spending other people's money. That's right. Lots of times. You know, this isn't, uh, we're not a for profit. Company, you know, th- this is not just uh, your own cash reserves to sort of use at will. You know, we have a fiduciary responsibility and an ethical responsibility to all of those donors, um, which I always just find sort of fascinating.
2: Yeah, and I'll just I'll say that that um, the visitor comes here and invests, the, yeah, a, a you know money to buy a ticket. And we, we owe that person yeah. their $20 to be spent in exactly the right way. When you add it all up, it makes for many millions to run this place. Um, but I agree with you, Joe, that it, that does, um, I believe, and that would be something that um, if I were, you know, those of us in this profession as we look um, to, to jobs You'd want to make sure you were going to a place where that idea of stewarding every dollar in the right way was not just part of the development office or part of the board's thinking, but really was down to every single person who worked there. That they believed they were carefully spending those dollars. We we all believe that really strongly here.
1: Yeah, you know, yes. There's definitely been times where I've been like, hmm. I won't supersize that meal on a <laughs> on right. a road trip because I you need to spend our donors' money accordingly. Maybe not that detail. Well, sometimes we, you need the. If extra you ever large.
2: think that, we appreciate
1: yeah. that. <laughs> sometimes you need the extra large fries. That's right. um, well, how has uh, you know um, you know the economy has been changing over the past you know decade or so? Uh, has that had any sort of impacts or effects
2: on um, nonprofits and and development? Yes, of course. What happens in the world and, and tax regulations and all sorts of things like that do affect um, giving. Mm-hmm. I'll just I'll start by saying, Joe, that uh, the United States is the most philanthropic country in the world. It it it's in this country's very DNA, and I, I think that's um, largely because we didn't start out with a with 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 a monarchy that funded. Um, Social issues mm-hmm. and, and needy people, and education, and all of that. Um, so, from our very beginning, uh, it, it was communities that that supported hungry people and education, mm-hmm. and and then later, you know, buildings that house art and and music and yeah. and all those sorts of things. Um, so we are by far uh the most philanthropic country um, in in the world. now this is starting to catch on in other places but um but here uh the number one recipient of philanthropy is religion, mm-hmm. which probably wouldn't be that big of a surprise to you given uh the sort of notion of tithing and people yeah. who make who support church on Sunday and, and uh and their synagogue, et cetera. Um education is this is the second largest and those are the two big pieces mm-hmm. of the philanthropic pie in the country. Um the 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 federal Government also here incentivizes philanthropic giving through um, through attack through through taxes. Uh, so, um, giving to to nonprofit charities is tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we've seen that the tax bill that started in 2018 uh, did have a has a provision for a higher standardized deduction, and we in the profession are watching this very closely. The, the theory is that um, it will have a negative impact on giving. At the level sort of 1000 to $10,000 mm-hmm. gifts, um, because you won't be able to take your—or the, 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 you know, the standard deduction will be yeah. uh, too you high. You won't get any
1: sort of tax benefit for giving at that level. It would completely be for philanthropic.
2: It, exactly right. Yeah. So um, we're—I'll just say, at Mount Vernon, we have not seen a great impact yeah. on this year's gifts. My sense, though, is if we're going to see an impact, it's yeah, after yeah. one full tax cycle. Um, so that's the tax imp- – so we may see an effect mm-hmm. in tw- – nonprofits may see an effect in 2019. My read is right now there has not been a huge effect on on charitable okay. giving. Now, um, the economy certainly does affect, and if you look back just traditionally at, at giving um, – there's a bit of a lag behind uh, the economic status mm-hmm. of the country. So after 2008, the, the effect on giving uh, lasted into 09 and 2010 mm-hmm. and then started to rebound um, with about, I don't know, this is not scientific, but yeah. a year or 18 months of a lag time following the recovery. Um, and now... Uh, also, things like booms in the stock market also help because a number of our donors and donors to charities all across the country um, give in gifts of stock. And so as their stock mm-hmm. is more mm-hmm. valuable um, and they have a low basis point for that that stock, uh, they can avoid those capital gains by giving that um, that stock appreciated stock to charity. And so when you see a good run up in the stock market, as we have in 2018, certainly in 2017, um we see more gifts of stock Mm -hmm. uh, come in. So, yes, what happens in the world, stock market, tax policy, all of that does affect charitable giving, but we, I don't think it'll take a long time for another country to uh, supplant the United States as the most charitable country. We just are... Americans give Very to support yeah. uh, the arts, history, education, and religion, um, and and of course, I, I failed to mention healthcare, which is a major uh, beneficiary of, of of philanthropic support mm-hmm. as well.
1: Well, what uh, you know, back to sort of Mount Vernon specifically, is there anything sort of uh, on the horizon exciting for your department? You can
2: you can chat about or. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned before about a a focus on endowment fundraising. You know, there we have a looming major anniversary coming up in 2026—the semi-quincentennial, as I know you know, Joe, uh, of of American Independence, 250th anniversary of American Independence.
1: That's that's everyone's fun cocktail party fact. What's it called? We just got you. Semi-quincentennial. Got it.
2: I had to practice it (laughs) for about a week, but now (laughs) I have it. Uh, 2026. Mm -hmm. Um, We have an institutional goal to make Mount Vernon be presented in the very best possible way it can by that date. And so there 's a lot of work to be done here now. you may come to visitors may come to Mount Vernon and say, "Well, the place looks amazing and we we spend a lot of time and effort making it look amazing um, But I mentioned before about reinterpretation and restoration mm-hmm. inside the mansion and wanting to make each and every room look like it did in 1799, the year we interpret Mount Vernon. Uh, and some pretty major structural issues that have that have come up in the last couple of years that mm-hmm. we need to address. Um, some systems issues in the mansion. And then uh, we have our education center, which gets... Three or four hundred thousand visitors a year. Um, it was opened in two thousand six before the invention of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time for it to have uh, probably more than just new new coat and carp- uh, new coat of paint and carpets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time for some new media there. Well, and, and you know, uh, for for our habitual
1: listeners, you know, mm-hmm. just last week we had uh, Jesse on talking about uh, the slavery exhibit. And and how when that comes down, uh, we're going to be redoing, you know, ideally, be redoing, you know, labels across the estate uh, to to bring bring that story that, that story of the enslaved throughout the estate. And right, you know, it, it every time we have to do a new label that that costs money. Exactly, um, right. You know, so so mm-hmm. even all the great new research uh, and exciting new projects that uh, our curatorial staff in the library uh, are coming up with, every time we use donor dollars to come up with a new discovery we then have to use other donor dollars to promote it that's and, exactly right and actually right. you know redo our exhibits
2: that's that's a very good point uh, right so the museum will have a full uh, changeover exi- of exhibit in 2020 and the education center will need by 26 a, a, a full uh, you know we think a, a full um, reinve- not reinvention but you know a refresh um, a, a refresh, and a, a, refresh yeah. a refresh is a great way to say it Um, So all of these things make for uh, a lot of work for our team Mm -hmm. to raise a lot of money in advance of – well, well in advance of 2026 because the work has to get done. So we are – I probably should put – the word semi-quincennial or the year or the numbers 2026 20, uh, you know uh, over every door in our office so that mm-hmm. uh, our, our all of our team is It'll focused be like a nice on countdown pli- timer exactly yeah. right that would drive me crazy i think but uh, yes yeah you got the idea um, that uh, we are that that we're presenting yeah. this place the best way we can so that, I think, is the most exciting thing, Joe, is that we've got a lot of money to raise in the next, let's call it, five years. Uh, and um, And we, you know we have incredibly generous donors here who really want to join with us to make Mount Vernon, uh, the best it can be to, to support this mission. And, uh, and, and, and I'm hopeful that they'll get on board with, with, with what we're working on.
1: Yeah. Well, if we have, uh, any listeners that either, uh, you know, themselves privately or, you know, their, their company, uh, whether they own it or, or, or work for it, uh, you know, if they want to get in touch with with your office yeah. uh, about helping with some of this, what's the best way for
2: them to do it? Yeah. Well, first, let me say that you you you, um, you gave me a good lead in there to say that uh, now Vernon is supported. Um, you mentioned in your opening, mm-hmm. not at all by government support, which is our 160 some odd year tradition, um, in, entirely by indiv- individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, Companies who, who whose missions or interests align with Mount Vernon, and private foundations, so the family foundations mm-hmm. and large, uh, you know, large. Um, uh, public foundations so we do receive money from from all three of those sources and so if if there are listeners that know of uh, either would like to make a gift themselves to support our mission or know of companies or other foundations that might align with with Mount Vernon's work um, we are always delighted to hear new ideas and we have lots of great ideas um, to to share with corporations and to try to align you know Mount Vernon um, we are a lot more than just a house as you know yeah. Joe you talk about it on your podcast a lot. We we are in the business of land preservation across the river uh, with our with our viewshed, which we protected for 50 years. We've saved uh, um, heritage breed animals here from extinction. So mm-hmm. we, we also uh, happen to be a, um, uh, if you're interested in animals, we got that for you too. So. Um, Gardens and, and decorative you know we have an interest for for we have we're doing something for people with, with lots of varied interests yeah. um, so uh, your listeners should call me uh, send me an email my name is Joe Bondi and my email address is j at mountvernon.org um, and uh, and you can call us here at mount vernon and and, and ask for me and uh, and you'll get me I'm, i uh, I always pick up my phone because you never know who's going to be on the other yeah. line and we will
1: uh, we will even put a, a, a leak to uh, your email address uh, at uh, mountvernon.org slash podcast. That's great. We'll put that on the episode page. Perfect. Uh, Well, thank you so much for for coming on the show and talking about something that I think uh, doesn't really get as much attention as uh, in in the public history worlds. I think um, it should.
2: Well, it's has got to pay for it. Yeah, that's exactly right, and we are uh, we are grateful to the the many uh, thousands, uh, tens of thousands of donors who have supported Mount Vernon this year and and for years to for years in the past and years to come. Uh, we we literally could not do it yeah. without philanthropic support.
1: I'd, I'd have to go get a real job. As would I. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks,
1: Joe, for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations at the Washington Library. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.